I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 278 of Low Limit Football on this 20th of April, 2020. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we take a deeper dive into Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the Serie A, Inter Milan, and the transfer window with our great guest, Mr. Nima Tavale from SemperInter.com. Let me get my co-host in here real quick, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How was your week, my friend? Good, man. How are you? I mean, I, I, I might as well ask you because I feel like this is something that has been all across my timeline over the last few days, I would say. Mm -hmm. Did you watch The Last Dance? The Last Dance? No. Do you know what it is? Uh, oh, it's the Michael Jordan um, uh, documentary, for lack of a better term. Yes, I did see some stuff about that, but I did not get a chance to watch it. I called it an early night yesterday after doing a lot of yard work, and I think it came out like last night at eight. Correct? It did. the The first two episodes came out last night. Yeah, so I didn't get a chance to watch any of it. How is it? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, obviously, I can't speak uh, in experience of someone that saw Jordan live or the mm -hmm. or that Chicago Bulls team. Mm -hmm. um, so I can only go based on you know videos and what people say about him and and whatnot, but. Wow, he was unstoppable even at an early age, and, and that Bulls team really was recognized as one of the best teams in the world, um, yeah. and probably the most recognizable one at the time. Yeah, Scottie Pippen, you know Jordan, Phil Jackson's the head coach. That was a that was a pretty a pretty strong team, and it's amazing they won three in a row. And then he left for I want to say two years, and then he came back and they won another three. Yeah. So just uh just uh you know and we 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 did our hall of foot he would definitely be uh one of the guys at the top of the list if we ever did a show on on basketball um i certainly would be out of our wheelhouse to an extent but uh but he would uh yeah he's one of the all-time greats and i could see that so it sounds like an interesting documentary and we're going to talk about another all-time great in a, in a couple minutes right so mm -hmm. um so uh yeah let's i mean let's get to it so you and i we had the pleasure of having nima tavale on uh from semperinter.com semperinter my god and uh, he's always a great, great guest, always fun to listen to. But, um, you know, we recorded this interview with him and he 
is so in depth with his knowledge of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, obviously being based in Sweden, that it was incredible to to hear him talk and and the idea of him possibly thinking about writing some type of Zlatan book is is so intriguing that I think uh, I think if it hits the shelves, I think a lot of people are going to buy it. So, um, you know, Rob, what were your thoughts on on the interview before we we actually play it for everybody? Well, I think it's um, it's a it's it's a really in depth story. Um, it's really it really allows you to go much more uh, into analysis of what a career that Slotin had. And, you know, mm-hmm. you could talk about the goals, you could talk about the brash personality, but in an extel- in it itself, he really, you know, and then Nemo will comment on that, how he was able to essentially inspire uh, a certain group of people Maybe not just in Sweden in general, but Joe, but probably around the world of those that are coming from similar backgrounds, who came from working class backgrounds, immigrant backgrounds, that kind of thing. During a time where the country was going through many different types of division and a lot of appeal from different uh, political groups. So even though he had no say in it politically during the course of his career, you know, he, he still had an impact into a country that obviously was going through a lot of political change at the time. Yeah. And, and you know, like we said in the interview, not only did, well, the way Zlatan did it is he, he walked the walk and then he talked the talk. Where many people do it the other way around, he actually, you know, made his statement in, and, you know, made his statement physically or what he did, his actions, and then backed it up with his words. So, uh, but that wasn't the only thing we talked about either. I mean, we, we got to talk about Sandro Tonali. We talked about Juve. We talked about Inter and, and their potential big moves coming up in the transfer window whenever that may be. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. We, we did get news before we played the interview that uh, that it looks like we might be getting uh, the glimpses of football coming back. Bundesliga talking about a May 8th return. Italy starting to talk about a return as well, obviously with, with safety in mind uh, as we go through uh, the coronavirus pandemic here worldwide. And uh, I think a lot of people will be excited to possibly see football back on their on their screens, uh, whether there are people in the stands or not. I think people want to get back to some type of sport, some type of distraction, and I think it would be a great one to do. So um, without further ado, Rob, let's uh, let's play the Nima Tavale interview for our guests. Joining us now on Low Limit Football from SemperInter.com, our great friend, Mr. Nima Tavale. Nima, come uh, stai? Sto bene, grazie. Come, tu come stai? Tutto bene? Sì, sì, tutto bene. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring it back to English real quick and, and uh, talk about, let's talk about our favorite Swede, right? Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We, we've talked about Zlatan over and over again, you and I, with you know, and Rob as well, you know, the three of us. And the, the documentary Becoming Zlatan has come out. You can find it, I believe, Rob, you said on Amazon Prime. Um, so yep. I have not had the luxury to see it yet, but I, I've, I've, I've seen like clip and clips and we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I want to ask you, Nima, about what they describe as his turbulent times at Ajax leading, you know, to his out, you know, coming out of Ajax, going to Juventus early in his career, 2004. Um, talk about the time uh, from Ajax coming over from Malmo uh, and, and then moving forward, really the rough ride that he had at Ajax. Um, well, th- well, first of all, the, the, that documentary becoming Zlatan is from 2015 and it's, it was kind of, um, it, it was, it was, they didn't make something new. It was basically they, these guys who did this, uh, documentary, they did, um, 
this is leftover footage from a another documentary they did, which was about Malmö FF, uh, the team where the Slatan played for as a kid, the kid where he broke through, and it starts on the it, that that documentary in and of itself is the second part uh, of of a documentary series about that club. Now this second part begins where just when Ibrahimovic makes his uh, the top his his debut in the Swedish top tier. When um, when Malmo are relegated from the top tier for the first time in 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 thirty forty years to the second tier, and how they were forced to get rid of all the high wage players and elderly players and give their young people give their young players and talents a chance with Ibrahimovic being the biggest shining star of that generation, together with Tony Flygare, uh, a player who who completely collapsed after he missed a penalty uh in a in 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 that during that season when they were relegated he mentally pretty much had a meltdown and never really recovered so that that's when that starts and it shows how you know his development you know and and the and the jealousy um against him inside that team with of how the older Swedish players uh, who will, uh, treated him um, and the contempt shown to him because of his his working class background, but also his his immigrant background, and that kind of you know, and then and then you have the transfer to Ajax and how and and, and all the deals surrounding that 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 where Hasabori, the sporting director at Malmö FF you know Zlatan was very was very loyal to Malmö and said he if he wants if he's going to leave Malmö he wants Malmö to get paid now they broke the record they got 8 million euros back then for him that was a, that's, that's, that's a big that was Ajax's biggest signing ever now but but for Malmö to get 8 million euros Zlatan was one of the one of the players you'd expect a player that when you break a transfer record to also be one of the top paid players in that team. He wasn't, uh, and a reason a big reason for that is Hasabori, the the sporting director. Um, you know, Zlatan saying he didn't want an agent; he wanted Hasabori to represent his 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 uh, interests, and he he screwed this he screwed this poor kid over completely as he was back then. I mean. They he was the least one of the least paid players in in in, in Ajax, um, and he and and he found this out, and that you know at the same time he met Mino Raiola, uh, and they started working together, and um, and and he struggled at Ajax because um, you know there, there was it was a lot of similarities between what he had gone through in uh, in Malmo. Uh, he, in terms of the uh, a, a kind of establishment not liking him and and seeing him as a uh, him and Mido uh, as the players that kind of were weren't weren't you know were trouble when they weren't really trouble they were they just came from different backgrounds. Um, so so I definitely see you know I, I think becoming Zlatan is definitely worth watching. Um, it's it's a great insight into into what, what into a, a period of uh, what I mean. If you want to understand Swedish society, I think it's. I've always said this, and I said this on the show, and I've said it every time I've, I'm invited to talk about Ibra. You know, Swedish society as a whole was forced to confront some very difficult truths about itself, and Ibrahimovic became the embodiment of that development of that societal. Um, growth, uh, looking into the mirror 
and not liking and that and the image looking back at you not being consistent with the image you have yourself and that you've portrayed to the rest of the world um and and that's why so 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 it's 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 a very um, it's very interesting to see for me ibrahimovic has has been kind of whether he likes it or not he's become the symbol in this develop in this development and this realization that sweden is not as as this this kind of socialist uh, heaven where everyone's equal the, the, this 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 portrayal of that is not true and it hasn't been true and 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 he 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 embodies that fact and that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable you know it's actually interesting what you say Nima, about that because you know you would think how much a, a player would have an effect on a on a sport on you know the way uh, a team is 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 played but to say that he had that impact on it for a society as a whole because of the background that he that he came from and eventually had the successful career that he had you know it's that just shows how much of an impact he has uh as one of the more important swedes in the history of the country i mean Absolutely. you know is that, is that how it goes in this case I would say so because I, I don't think he wanted to. I, at the end of the day, I don't think any of the attention that he gets from this this kind of attention is not what he wanted. You know, I don't think he had a choice. He just happened to be the right person at the right time, and 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 the Swedish society being where it was, um, have you know, he became a symbol of something larger, and and everything that. You know, and the media's handling of him, especially the Swedish mainstream media, their their complete contempt and disdain uh, by a so-called liberal uh, media who <laughs> who were faced to confront some truths about their own society, they were not too keen on admitting. Um, you know, they they you know. I'm sure that there is there there's going to be documentaries and and analyses made. After long past Ibrahimovic's retirement as a player, about how the role and the coverage of Swedish media, and the oftentimes incredibly racist, demeaning, disgraceful portrayal of him uh, as a symbol of a of 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 a, of a symbol as, as as a symbol of a part of Swedish society, they were completely content with sweeping under the rug. Um, and it's and and again, this is not this isn't his choice. This isn't something he wanted to. It just happened. The cards, you know, were dealt that way. Things fell that way. That the cards fell that way. That that he became a symbol of this society, a society that is falling apart, a society where the the image of oneself and the actual image looking back at you from the mirror are not consistent. And, and and forcing a society, the society, to ask some really difficult questions of itself, resulting in the rise of the former Nazi Party, Sweden, the Sweden Democrats, to now being the third biggest party in the country. Like, let's not forget that. That you know, all of the all of these things, it was the perfect storm almost, and he became kind of a symbol of of that. Um, and it's really interesting to follow. Definitely. And, and I think now what we're seeing with the likes of 
you know, various players coming from different backgrounds, you know, the, the likes of even even in that generation of Slatan, you know, the likes of Hendrik Larsson, uh, even today, uh, the likes of Alexander Isak and, and many other players that are coming from different backgrounds, you know, Slatan really just happened to be in a way, kind of maybe the victim of his own success. You know, he, you know, he became the voc- the focal point of it for sure. But I think he, he was the first. in the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, but he was the first. He was the first one uh, to, you know, when if you read his book and if you read everything about you know all the stuff around him when he was growing up, there was this this kind of notion of Swedish players are the are are, are not supposed to be technical. They're not supposed to be. Um, entertaining what quote unquote entertaining they're supposed to be hard workers and this 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 kind of you know this notion of hard working vikings who all fall in line in, in you know and and the team before everything and, and 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 the polar opposite of that anyone who has any bit of technical ability is is questioning that entire premise on its face and the whole thing falls apart um, with Ibrahimovic, he kind of that that you know he, be, he again not because he wanted to, but him being who he is and coming up uh, at that time and football changing, um, it, it it kind of became you know it was it wasn't just Swedish society, it was it was everything ingrained in that you know in in how sweet you know how Swedish football and Swedish team sports are built up, you know the the team before every you know the balance between the individualism. The individual brilliance and and submitting submitting yourself to to the team. Um, so you know there was a lot of questions. It's such a multifaceted topic. This, but we do see that. I mean, when you know they they were you know his youth team coaches said they didn't think he should play because he's a circus artist. He doesn't know how to play. He doesn't know how to defend. He doesn't know how to this. He has no discipline. He has no this. Well, it turns out turns out this guy actually has quite a lot of discipline. He has a lot of, uh, he has a winning mentality like no one else. He's won everywhere he's gone, you know. So, so a lot of, dif- you know, th- this was, you know, he he forced a lot of change. He was the first one, and if it w- if he kicked open a lot of doors with force and violence, he didn't ask for permission. He 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 just waltzed right in and he delivered, and and that made it so much easier for so many other players to come after him like alexander isak like dejan kulusevski uh, like robin kwaisan you know i can go on all all day long and you saw that when when zlatan made his debut for the swedish national team all of a sudden the floodgates were opened and a lot of team a lot of players with immigrant backgrounds all of a sudden, who were incredibly talented, were all of a sudden being called up to the under-21 national teams. That wasn't the case before Ibrahimovic. And I mean, Henrik Larsson and Martin Dalin and all these players of color who who have Swedish-sounding names all will testify to the racism they experienced growing up in Swedish society. But because they had Swedish-sounding names, that could easily be kind of you know, what, you know, they could rationalize that away as just a few idiots. But with Zlatan, he was he embodied everything. He was or a poor working class second generation immigrant. He did not have a, a Swedish sounding name. He did not come from a middle class background. And he was non-apologetic about it. And he wasn't uh, trying to mimic or monkey uh, the, the, the way that you should behave to be allowed into polite society. He came in there and he kicked open the doors and, 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 and proved that he is good enough 
and he had to be ten times good enough to even be let through the door. Now that 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 kind of you know that 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 that, that again, you know, that that's that's an indictment on on Swedish on the Swedish on Swedish society as a whole, but also in particular Swedish sports. Now, Nima, I, I just want to jump in because you know, just obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and we we get the lucky perspective of being able to look back on what Zlatan has done. And I know we keep saying that he's the first, he's the first, he's the first to break these doors and, and, and first to break these barriers. But hindsight, um, given the, the doors that he's opened for Alexander Isak, the doors he's opened for Henrik Larsson, wasn't he not only the first, but the best option? I, I, I think, you know, and really, you think about it, how many, how many footballers in the world could we say would be... Zlatan-ish, or, or could do what Zlatan did in the time that he did where he did it. I, I don't know if there are any names that come to mind, really, that break those barriers like Zlatan did. No, really, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable, because you have to understand that Zlatan was let in through the door, partly because he kicked them open, but he was also let in very reluctantly. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've seen these idiotic things on TV during during championships, whether it's Euros or World Championships, or where Channel TV4 or SVT, uh, the Swedish national broadcaster, uh, or TV4, who who who's also a a, a, a big broadcaster, or Aftonbladet, or Expressen, the two main uh, tabloids, or the two main newspapers uh, in, in the country, how often they had op-eds and Vo- you know, voting options about is Sweden better without Zlatan? Does he suit the Swedish mentality? Is he Swedish enough? I'm not making this up. This actually happened. It's there. It's on the record. It's for everyone to see. Um, they they were forced to reluctantly let him in, and we and you sh- we should remember that for two for about two years he boycotted the national team because of the way he was treated. You know, th- we're talking about a guy who who was. Juventus' best player, who was Inter's best player, winning Scudetto's, lining them up like no one before him. And they were having a debate in Sweden whether Marcus Albeck, who couldn't even fit for FC Copenhagen, was better in for the Swedish national team. I mean, that was the level of the discussion. Um, and we shouldn't forget that, because like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I see a lot of people... Uh, in Swedish media, um, who want to portray themselves as champions of the immigrants and champions of the oppressed, who were part of that establishment. And I don't want to name names here, but they know who they are, and the record is is there. It speaks for itself. You know, it, it's kind of, I mean, obviously, it's it kind of really incredible to say that for someone that uh, was born and raised in Sweden and for people to say that he wasn't Swedish enough is, is incredible. And it's actually funny, too. I mean, I was watching um, a few old games that f- featured Sweden and the national anthems. You have everyone's uh, singing. But the ones that are not singing are Slatin Rahimovic and Hendrik Larsson, you know, who both come from different backgrounds. So it's kind of that identity in a way of identifying yourself yeah, born in Sweden, raised in Sweden, but perhaps not feeling it because of the criticism that you have. It, it really is just incredible. So let me lead to you on this, Nemo, because I feel like, unfortunately, there are still moments or people in Sweden that are not accepting of Slatan as of yet, even though he's done everything in the in the vast majority of his career and achieved and break every record, as you had said. But having said that, you know, going into what he did at Juventus, what he did at Inter, at Barca, PSG, Milan, I mean, 
when was the moment, if you had to point pinpoint it, that a majority of the people in Sweden were accepting of Slatan and that he was this absolute wonderful player that everyone uh, was excited for? They couldn't deny it when he. I mean, the it was it was very reluctant um, to let him in. I mean, the the establishment. But once he was in, he, you know, the results weren't there. Maybe, but that was more down to him being unlucky in the sense that that generation of players that after Henrik Larsson and especially that generation when they were a little bit too older, the generation that followed were not good enough. He was the brightest shining star. Um, but the rest of them weren't simply good enough. This generation, I mean, I've, I, I firmly believe that if he, if this generation coming up now were born five, six years uh, earlier, or Zlatan was born five, six years later, Sweden would have a team on par with Belgium that could actually win the Euros and go far in the World Cup. Um, so, so it's that's you know, so that that's the reason why maybe the Swedish national team under him during his his peak years maybe didn't go as far into the tournaments. But Sweden is a, is a tiny country. To 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 get to those many championships that Sweden did is is truly remarkable, and he was the main reason for for a lot of those qualifications and getting Sweden to the World Cup. Um, so I think. A lot of stuff. I mean, the goal against Italy, the back heel goal against Buffon, where Buffon was laughing after the game and hugging him, that opened a lot of eyes. The um, the bicycle kick against England, the goals in the Euros against France. You know, I, I remember people saying they don't like his attitude, but he was so damn good they just couldn't deny anymore. You know, they just was, was it a level of jealousy then? If that's very well that that's ex- thank you exactly that's, that's exactly go. the word that's exactly the word I'm looking for it is jealousy it's a reluctant anger uh, you know it's 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 it is with great reluctancy that they had to accept him the world you know it's not it's not an easy pill to swallow that the world's most famous living swede is 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 a guy called Zlatan Ibrahimovic from a poor immigrant area in named Rusengord in Malmo you know, I, I was going to say, when um, Nima, you're familiar that Rob and I just completed a series called Hall of Foot, where we we previewed some of the greatest players of all time. You know, retired, of course. Um, when Zlatan Ibrahimovic retires, I'm just going to take the beginning of this interview and I'm just going to cut it out and just redeliver it because <laughs> it, covers, yeah, sure. it covers everything. It's it's awesome. Um, so let's go back to I guess I guess lesser strikers, right? Let's let's talk about. Our favorite Argentinian strikers uh, first, you know, Lautaro Martinez, and then, like I told you earlier, the other striker, Wanda Nara, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or or Mr. Wanda Nara, I should say. Um, let's start with yeah, Lautaro, because obviously, you know, with, with with idle hands, everyone is kind of just sitting around and, and and imagining and thinking, and that's when the rumor mill starts. And I know we haven't entered a transfer window. God knows when that transfer window is going to be, given the the state of affairs in the world. But it looks like. Barca really want to pluck Lautaro Martinez from Inter. And at the moment, the last story that I saw is that they're interested in paying off a $111 million buyout clause. I'm sorry, 111 million euro buyout clause to bring Lautaro over as really a replacement for Luis Suarez. Um, and obviously, I know you're very close. Let's let's start with Lautaro. Where where do we stand with that? And what are your what are your feelings about him um, possibly leaving Inter at the end of the year? I um, I'm not surprised at all uh, if that happens. I mean, um, ever since these rumors started coming out, to me it makes perfect sense because, in the sense, if if you know how Beppe Marotta, Inter Sporting CEO, works, he he 
you know, he, he's decided to bring on Antonio Conte to build a project. And in order to do that, you need to have certain elements, some building blocks to play the kind of football that, that Antonio Conte wants. Um, Lautaro Martinez is a fantastic player. He's a, he's a Ballon d'Or winning level talent. And he showed that. And he showed that at Inter, which is not an easy place to, to show that at when you're 22, 21, 22 years old. So that, sh- that shows that he can withstand pressure and he can deliver under severe pressure. So that, 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 that kind of ticks the box for Barcelona. Um, but uh, after that, you know, Marotta looks at this in a very hard, in a very simple business way. Mm-hmm. Selling Icardi gives you 70 to 80 million euros. Selling Lautaro for his redemption fee clause 111. That's 200 million euros right there. That buys a lot of shiny new toys that helps you dethrone Juventus already next season. And that's the goal of the Sooning project. It's not to be good next in five years' time. It's to be good today, tomorrow, and for the next three years, and then tweak as you go along. Mm. Um, so, so I think to me, I, I've always said that I think that Lautaro Martinez is is going to be sacrificed. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Um, the question is whether or not, how, on what terms is going to happen. Now, luckily, Lautaro Martinez is not Mister Wandanara, but he's Lautaro Martinez, and he 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 doesn't want to. He's made it absolutely clear that he's not going to force a move away from Inter. Uh, that's just not going to happen. And as such, that means that Inter have the have the cards in their hands in the sense that they'll basically say to uh, Barcelona, you know, they want that redemption fee or as close to it as possible. And maybe with the addition of, of an Arturo Vidal, who who uh, seems to be some sort of mental tick that Antonio Conte has fallen into, that he must have Arturo Vidal, mm. you know, no matter the price or cost, he must have Arturo Vidal. Um, so I think that I think a deal around 90, 90 to one hundred million euros plus Arturo Vidal is where this thing is going to last. This thing is going to land. Yeah, you know. So obviously that's that's going to be one of the quote unquote shiny new toys. Although Arturo Vidal is not a shiny new toy. Um, no, he's kind of an old. But he's old reliable. Yeah, he's, he, you know, yeah, he's old reliable. Yeah, exactly. But, no, no. I think I think the new shiny toys is Sandro Tonali. Okay. Um, the the shiny new toy is Sandro Tonali. The shiny new toy is maybe uh, Marcos Alonso. Uh, the shiny new toy is um, you know Castrovilli, uh, because Inter are building a super midfield, and I think that because that's the kind of midfield that you need uh, that Conte needs. He needs to have six, seven world class players in midfield who can cover several different roles, uh, like he'd had at Juve. Right. Uh, like he had, like he had to a certain extent at Chelsea, um, and and that, and I think that that is what they're going after. And to, to me, Barella, Tonali, Sensi, and Castrovilli, if you get those four, that's Italy's. That, that's a world class midfield for the next decade. Um, and and it's clear that Inter are, are are and they're also Italian, which is a which is exactly what Inter want. They want homegrown players that can connect with the community, so they don't have adjustment issues, um, and and that they don't risk of losing uh, losing to to you know with the same the same way with Lautaro or, or or Brazilians and Argentinians who all want you know who all you know the Barcelona Real Madrid. Are, are the big, you know, are, will always be bigger clubs to them from a cultural point of view for historic reasons than than it is for an Italian player. You know, you break my heart every time you say Tonali to enter. You, you know you do that, right? 
Because... But you do. You're, you're gonna. You're, don't, don't worry. You'll be able to, to to dry those tears with Federico Chiesa, who I absolutely adore. I know. Um, and I and I think he's going to Juventus. I I think that's that's pretty much a done deal. I think, um, you know, I think Juventus have pretty much got that wrapped up. God, so the, the, if you ask me, I mean, the loser then really becomes Fiorentina. I mean, Chiesa, Castrovilli. I mean, you know, Cutroni's been nice since he's come over, but man, you talk about two of the massive pieces Fiorentina has. That's that's it in a nutshell, you know. I, I, that's... Well, well, they they will get two hundred million euros, and and I think that project would would um, I think with with Rocco Comiso, I mean, for him, he doesn't want to because obviously it looks bad in terms of of PR. But with two hundred million euros, he's also a businessman, and he's also a very shrewd and smart businessman, and he knows that with two hundred million euros, he can build a very good team and he can actually start to finance that new stadium that he best so badly wants. Um, and, and, and to kick off this project, you know, and get it running and and turn it into one of, and turn Fiorentina in the long run to become one of those teams that, that challenge for the top four, top five every season. Um, the way that Fiorentina were in the nineties under Cecchigori with, uh, you know, Batistuta, Rui Costa, Toldo, Etc. Uh, Etc. Et so I, I I think that at the end of the day, Rocco Comiso is a very intelligent man. He knows exactly what he's doing. So let, let's go to the other striker because I, I really can't get over. I mean, Rob, you and I have talked about Mauro Icardi on this show time and time again. Um, we've talked about the fact that he's one of, in terms of a pure finisher. He is arguably one of the top three to five strikers in the world. He we've seen so many matches where he's he's touched the ball three times and he scored three goals. It's it's just insane. And I, and I get where it's coming from. It, it's not Mauro so much as it is Wanda. But I, I can't imagine how this this man is is basically on an island at this point. Nobody wants him. Inter don't want him anymore. They know they can get money for him. He went to PSG. That kind of flop. There's talk about him coming to Juventus. I don't even know that he fits in well at Juventus. I mean, this guy's going to end up. Oh, I think he does. I think you think he does. I think he does. I mean, I just yeah. Really. I, th- I think I think Juve are are counting on their ability to rehabilitate. Um, and uh, their historic ability to rehabilitate and um, and get troubled troubled characters lost souls to fall to yeah lost souls to fall into line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they I think they can. Uh, I think they're counting on that, and I think they know that they would rather you know they they. He, I mean, Higuain isn't getting any younger, um, and you need to and with you know you say to you think he's top three. I think there is he's top one when it comes to finishing. If you look at the stats, the number of ball touches he has in the penalty area, and the ratio between that to finishes and goals, it's it's surreal. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, you don't know if it's, it's like a joke. He touches the ball like you said three times and scores three goals. I, That's I, insane. And I don't even need to look at a graph to know that. I mean, you just you can watch four or five matches, four or five of mm-hmm. Inter's matches, or, or even PSG. You just watch the match and and you'll see it. It's it's uncanny how he does but it. But he's done it for Inter since he was. He's he's done it at Inter since he was twenty two. He did it mm-hmm. he did it at Sampdoria when he first break through broke through there. So now he is he's unbelievable. You, and, he, and he's been scoring goals at PSG as well. Not a sure, lot, but yeah. he has been scoring. No, and and I think he's going to Juventus. I I think what will happen is basically, uh, Inter will sell. You know, they will pay seven. PSG will pay the redemption fee, seventy million euros, 
And Inter have, have negotiated because Marotta is smarter than the average bear. He knows that, you know, they were there was a chance that Juventus were going to buy him from PSG. So he negotiated a 50 million clause, uh, 50 million euro penalty if PSG sold Mauro Icardi to an Italian team. So in total, that will bring in 85 million euros to Inter. And as far as Inter are concerned, you know, you know, you know, don't you know? Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, because this guy has been nothing but a headache right. uh, when it comes to that, that 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 insane woman he's married to and her antics and the drama with which she she seems to thrive under in her personal life. So for Juventus, that that'll be the challenge. How do you control this woman? Yeah. How do you control? How do you keep her happy? Um, and I think that would be. That's the biggest challenge. But I do. But I think that if he goes to Juventus, then they will make sure that she, you know, they, that he's so well paid and everything is so good that they'll make sure that she's. Um, that, 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 that they'll control her. Right. They know how to control her. And I. But the thing is, I don't think they do. To me, this woman. I don't want to say too much here, but you can't control her. Mm-hmm. She's out of control. But if Juventus think they can, and then you know, good luck to you. Maybe maybe interviews with her and Cassano will will help a little bit. I, who knows? But uh, you know, and the we, fact that she—I mean—that's another thing. I don't think Juventus won't allow that. No, Juventus will, will. There's no. I mean, that's not how Juventus operate. They're uh, they're like the KGB. They they don't they don't let people sit there on every Sunday and talk about their internal affairs. That's not going to happen. If she thinks she can do that, if she thinks she can go on Instagram and do what she did yesterday, and and start talking about what happening at Juventus, they, they they won't they won't allow that. They will they will have that in a contract. You know, in the contract that that you won't be able to do that. Like right. there is no doubt in my mind that this is Juventus. They, they, you know, this is the Agnelli family, the royal family, the unofficial royal family of Italy. They don't, they don't allow for that nonsense. No, no doubt about it. I, you know, for me, just just looking quickly at Juve before we close out with uh, one more question, um, I, I get I get the idea of Icardi coming over, and you know, again, world class striker, everything we've said, but Juve's problems are in the midfield. They've really yeah. got to. They've got to fix that because, you know, as much as they've done, they they they're still slow. They're still slow in the midfield. They're yeah. still, and especially with a team that wants to play like Maurizio Sarri wants to play, they they can't afford to be slow in that midfield. And and they're still there. I mean, and and poor guy like Juan Cuadrado, who's who is definitely I, I think the MVP of world football because I I just haven't seen him play goal yet. I, I want to see him play goalkeeper <laughs> because I think he could do it. But you think about you know just the lack of speed. Icardi's not that guy. They need to go get somebody that's quicker in the midfield. That's why I, I love the idea of Tonali. Um, you know, I, I need you need to have somebody like that. And I just, I don't know. I, it's almost like the, the shiny new toy in the corner and Icardi and what you can get with him with the goals. But you got to get to be able to get him the ball. And Ronaldo's getting older. DiBala, they seem to play everywhere except where he should play. You know, Iguain's getting older. I mean, I just sometimes I don't get it that they're going to spend that much money on Icardi. I, well, that's the thing. I think they're going to play DiBala, Icardi, and Ronaldo together. I think that is the plan. And as for the midfield, I couldn't agree with you more. But I think the solution to that is spelled Jorginho. Um, Sandro Tonali is not a regista; he's a mezzala. Right. right. Uh, Jorge, the most important player in a Sarri system is Jorginho. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that because he, 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 he sits deep. He goes very deep and gets the ball and hits that all-important first pass to 
that de- that that splits defenses open. I think that is the most important player for them, uh, for for Sarri, um, and he's also quite dynamic. He's not a, he's not slow, so I think Tonali. I think they they're basically they they don't. I don't see. I don't see. Uh, he's not what they're looking for well, in think, that sense. I think and, he comes in for Pjanic at that point because I think Pjanic has yeah, kind of taken a you know yeah. he's really you've seen him kind of decline um, dramatically. Well, yeah, it seems. He, absolutely, absolutely. He's still a quality player, but there's no yeah. doubt that that he's declined. He's past his peak, yeah. um, and he's very slow. Um, and so I think for me, it's 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 Jorginho. I, 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 to me, it's, it's, there's no doubt in my mind that Jorginho is coming. Um, and then you have someone like Ben Tancur, who is an incredible talent. He's young. And I think Juventus are going to have, are going to enjoy having him in their team for decades to come because this guy is absolutely brilliant. And I think he suits that 4 3 3 that he wants to play or the 4 3 1 2, however you want, or 4 3 2 1, or however you want to play the numbers. But I think the most important thing for Juve is to have, um, is, is Jorginho in that sitting deep lying midfield role, and then Bentancur next to him, uh, and 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 you know you you can have you know you, you can have uh, someone like Kedira. I know a lot of player a lot of Juve fans don't like him, but Kedira and Matuidi. There's a reason why Sarri uses them, and that is because they're very dynamic players. Although they're well into their thirties, they, they, their characteristics are what he he needs to have. If you remember that amazing Napoli midfield of uh, Alan, Jorginho, and Hamšík, that was a very dynamic midfield, and that was the reason why you know together why that worked. There was a balance in that midfield, and I think that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think Bentancur, uh, Jorginho, and and one more player is, is that's all you need um, to to get that ball rolling. I think they uh, they, they with in terms of fullbacks and 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 up front with Icardi, that department is all set up. Um, and with Federico Chiesa coming, you know Federico Chiesa, Ronaldo on each wing, and then Dybala in the number ten role. And then you have uh, Icardi up front. That, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, no home for uh, Bernardeschi at that point, though, right? No, I think he. I think his his time at Juve is over. Yeah. Um, I think he. I think he could be used as part payment uh, to sign Chiesa from uh, Fiorentina. That's just my my uh, my my thoughts. That, that's that's you know I don't have anything to back. It's not a claim I'm making that right. this is happening. I'm just saying my analysis of the situation is that Bernardeschi will be used in some form or another as payment to get uh to get to get Chiesa from Fiorentina. All right. L- last thing I want to talk about real quick is the Coppa Italia um, because obviously all the leagues have been shut down. Everything has been shut down. Uh, and reports come out this week that Italy is considering, you know, provided all the safety measures are are met, that they're considering reopening uh, sometime in early May, I think as early as May 4th. And the way they would open is they would open with training for these teams and then play the, the rest of the Coppa Italia before they jump back into the Serie A schedule and then concluding sometime at the end of July. I just wanted your thoughts on, on that that time frame. I know you're in Sweden, Rob and I are here in the United States and, and you are definitely much closer to the news and, and, and the stories that are coming out of Italy than, than we are here. Um, what's your thoughts on, on that timetable? Do you think they should scrap the Coppa Italia this year? I mean, what are your thoughts on it overall? Well, I mean, to me is it's a little bit like the, it, it, there's, there's, it doesn't seem to dawn on these people that this crisis is is not just you know dust yourself off and pick up from. Mm. Um, I understand that there is a financial 
in set a, you know there's a there's a big financial incline uh, inclination to finish the season because it burns a hole in everyone's balance budget balance sheet but at the end of the day if you you know today Giuseppe Conte the Italian prime minister said that you know we're we're going to start opening society slowly on May 4th fine these guys have been off for like two and a half months now. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's like a break. They need they need a proper preseason now, yeah. three weeks at the minimum. Otherwise, they won't be ready. And then then you play the Coppa Italia every three days until that's concluded. And then you play the Serie A. You'll have to play every three days until that's concluded. And then you have the European Cups, which UEFA wants to conclude as well. I mean. I, I, to me, it just seems. Then, then when is when is the next season going to start? When is the off season going to happen between this season and next season? And when is the transfer window going to be open? And when when are the European Cups going to start next season? You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, 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 this seems really ill thought out. They're trying to squeeze and, it. They're, they're just trying to you, squeeze it all in. Yeah, they're trying to squeeze it all in, and 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 it's not a surprise to me that Juve and Inter are for once on the same side on this, saying that look. Never mind. Just, just scrap this season. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, people have died. You know, for Atalanta, you know, Atalanta and, and Brescia, from what I'm hearing, they're on the same side because they're the worst hit areas. They're saying, mm-hmm. we don't even care anymore. Right. You know, like, just, like, you know, thousands of people in these cities have died. Um, people that everyone know have died. And, and, and been, you know, just in a matter of months and weeks. So, for, you know, I, they, they, they take the stand that, look, don't you know? Don't relegate anybody. Don't promote anybody. Promote two teams, and and you know make the city out bigger for one or two seasons, and then relegate more teams, and so you come back to that balance. Uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, football for football to be relevant, people have to care, mm. and in a country that has been in this incredibly harsh situation that Italy has been, they don't care. Right. You know, because the people are dying, and that's more serious. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, uh, hopefully that you know they they see the end of the the tunnel here soon. Uh, hopefully the world sees the end of the tunnel soon when it comes to the the coronavirus and everything that's going on. Absolutely. And, you know. And Absolutely. Then, and then maybe Absolutely. maybe we we'll get back to some sense of normalcy. So, Nima, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show. Uh, always, always a pleasure. You're one of our great friends, and we really appreciate you. So, uh, thank you for everything, and uh, and we'll talk again very very soon, my friend. It's a pleasure to be on. Stay safe as well. Yeah, you guys too. I want to say stay safe, everyone. And, you know, it's a pleasure to be on to talk with you guys. You know, I love love the show and I love your work. So keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Talk soon. And special thanks again to Nima Tavale for joining us on the show. Uh, Make sure you catch his work at semprinter.com. He's also at a few other outlets. And uh, and always fantastic to talk to and very very knowledgeable. So, Rob, I I mean, that was the big part of our show tonight, and was really happy. It was there was a lot to to parse in that show, so definitely worth the listen. So, without any further ado, Rob, let's uh, let's get to the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. And for episode 278 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Nima Tavale from SemperInter.com for joining us. Next week, we're going to actually start to dive into some of these leagues that might actually be getting back to football, which will be incredibly exciting. We'll have a special guest on to talk about possibly Bundesliga, Serie A, or one league that might come back into play. So, for episode 278 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe, wash your hands, and good night.